out of the sky My dreams went crashing When you said goodbye Who'd think that after all I've been to you That you and I would be through Hello and welcome to the HP Lovecraft Book Club. Um, in this episode, we will finish up our very quick look at the at the collaborations of Dwayne Rimmel and HP Lovecraft with uh, uh, an examination of the disinternment. Um, so there apparently is some debate over how much Lovecraft contributed to this. Some saying this is all Lovecraft; it's basically ghost written. Others saying that. Uh, Really, it's just quite a few revisions by Lovecraft or whatever. It's, it's an issue with a lot of these ghost-written tales if there's not clear textual evidence um, or external evidence saying, like, this is ghost-written or whatever. You know, you kind of got to give credit to the byline author uh, without sufficient evidence, I think. So um, I'm going to assume this is a Dwayne Rimmel's draft, essentially, that Lovecraft uh, developed um significantly so i'll take the kind of the medium position here not that it matters that much because the story is is what it is and it's kind of a doozy it's a, it's a lot of fun it's uh it's not really tied to to the broader mythology it's it's another mad scientist story um kind of like maybe winged death or um some of the some of the early lovecraft stories or even like you know it's a very it's it's a small event you know what this reminds me of actually is the last test in a way too that's kind of a mad scientist story that was a revision uh, we looked at it much earlier in this series um that's about a guy working in the prison doing the experiments on people so the main story here is a mad scientist named andrews uh basically uses this leprosy victim our narrator's a leprosy victim um for some perverse experiment and then our narrator as he realized that he's the victim you know he doesn't realize till the very end of the story that he's the victim of this experimentation and then he kind of puts himself on a path for suicide it's really really well done um we don't you know we don't just have the the diary right uh, that's how lovecraft did it in the man in stone and and wing death just give us the journal have a completely laid out why it was done here we have much more uh mystery uh the reader doesn't really know what's going on till the end of the story um we don't they're not really given enough evidence to make a kind of a to figure it out which is fine because that makes the final revelation that much that much creepier um it might lack a little bit of believability i think especially towards the end when you find out that our narrator has a different body on his head attached to his head and how he didn't notice that right away i mean it's kind of explained away i guess because he's he's a leprosy victim so maybe his body's been changed but he realizes at the end it's a different body so anyways that's that's what this mad scientist does you see uh uses his leprosy as an excuse to say well i got this idea that might help you and he uses that to basically give him the time to do this experiment on him so anyways, our, our main character is uh, well, our, our main character is kind of isolated in this decaying um, old estate. Quote, I awoke abruptly from a horrible dream and stared wildly around. 
there or then seeing the high arch ceiling and the narrow stained windows in my friend's room a flood of uneasy revelation counseled over me and i knew that all had that all of andrew's hopes had been realized so he realizes that andrews who is kind of suggest, suggested as a friend has has has, has done this uh, thing to him has achieved his goals right and he's just essentially a mad scientist it's kind of got a very gothic opening we got like a decaying mansion and uh you know kind of just the the oldness of things the decaying of things kind of floating around him and at the end we're at the end of this first little introduction we're told that he had to choose between a true death and a hypothetical one uh which the later reanimation by therapeutic methods known only to my comrade Marshall Andrews. Um, now, this opening narration actually is narrated before the the end. So this narrator here doesn't know ultimately what our narrator will know by the end of it, right? So it's 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 kind of broken up in in, in a weird way. It's not quite sure when this was written down or or, or narrated, um, but. This opening is not at the beginning of the story. It's it's like in the middle. The opening seems to be taking place in the middle of the story somewhere. Um, but anyways, it's just a weird thing with the, the narration, it seems to me. Um, it's not like he, after he knew everything, he wrote down the whole tale. That's that's not how it's it's really presented here, I don't think. Anyways, we're told that this narrator had gone to the Philippines to help his brother uh, the Philippines is at this point under U.S. control, right? A U.S. colony. Um, this is another word, kind of worldly story. Even though it's set in a very small environment, you have uh, it's touching other parts of the world in interesting ways and other traditions and other beliefs. Anyways, he goes to help his brother who has leprosy. Um, is it? Is he has leprosy? Um, he was stricken. He came for his stricken brother in the Philippines. I don't know if he also had leprosy. I, I assume he did. And he contracts leprosy as well, right? Um, and then that's when he gets like, when he returns to America, he gets the help of this Dr. Andrews, Marshall Andrews, who agrees to help him um, treat his leprosy or whatever. Um, and that's it. That's a good deal. And he has to, of course, keep this from his family and, and keeps, keep kind of cloistered because over time the leprosy will begin to show and he won't be able to hide it anymore and all this and while he's there he sort of begins to study andrew's books because andrews at one point goes to the west indies he goes to like haiti for like six months or something and he just doesn't know when he, he doesn't really say when he's coming back he comes back late and he gives our narrator a lot of time to study his books and he realizes he's really into weird unauthoritative experiments he reads he basically reads the mad scientist journals I didn't even know that was a thing. If it is, that's great. I hope it is. But that's what he's reading. He's reading the like these journals of the mad scientists and other kind of occult medicine. And he's into that stuff. And that, that's a bit creepy. But um, And our, narr our narrator, who knows some of what later will happen, kind of says, oh, I get it. Now I understand why he was so into that stuff. So anyways, he finally comes back. And he says, well, I got a solution for you, Andrews. You know, you're going to be really gross pretty soon with your leprosy. And you're going to have to stay back here. And the best thing for you is not to kill yourself, because that's what our narrator was thinking about. He was thinking about suicide. He says, the best thing is not to kill yourself, but to simply kind of fake your death. And he's like, well, how do I do that? And he's like, I got the drug for you. I found it in Haiti. This drug will 
feign such a deep sleep that it will simulate death. It'll even cause rigor mortis. So that, you know, it'll be several days before the drug wears off. So you'll be completely dead. No doctor will know better. They'll bury you. Um, you know, if you're a funeral and everyone will think you're dead, but ah, me and my servant will come and dig you out a few days later and you'll wake up and you'll just kind of hang out with me and live with me in secrecy. And, and this way you can sort of hide your leprosy, hide your shame, um, continue to live your life uh, as long as you can with this disease and, and your family doesn't, you know, basically you don't have to encounter your family anymore. So that's the, that's the plot. And then it's, it's fulfilled there. So there's Andrews, kind of his servant, who is another kind of suspicious foreign type uh, character that, uh, that Lovecraft likes to use, that seems to be in the know, but it's kind of a silent type and just kind of hanging out in the shadows or whatever. But anyways, he, it works. They do this. They do this experiment. And... But they give him the drug, he, and he dies, and then he's actually buried and everything. And, of course, he's out for all this time. So he wakes up, and he wakes up in this, in the bed. And I think that's where the narration sort of begins, awaking from the horrible dream. That's how the story begins. So I think that's where that narration is set, that opening narration is set, while he's just waking up from this, this, this you know, having taken this drug. Right. And he sort of says, it's going to take a long time to recover. Quote, Andrews explained that the body would gradually regain its former sensibilities, though only to the presence of the leprosy, it might take considerable time. He seemed greatly interested in analyzing my daily symptoms and always asked if there's any feeling present in my body. So he's saying this might take a long time to recover. The leprosy is going to make it even a more long recovery. And that's just normally you're just going to have to sit in bed and, and I'll continue to study you or whatever. Um, now, as he gets better, as he sits in this bed and, and starts to know more and more, and starts to feel more and more, and starts to get feeling back in his body, he grows to really hate Andrews, and he begins to break with him. Uh, he starts to see, uh, like, the cruelty of Andrews, his kind of, his lack of care, his other weird experiments, and he gets to know more about this friend of his. Quote, During the awful siege in bed, Andrews and I became somewhat estranged. He no longer treated me so much like a friend as like an implement in his skilled and greedy fingers. I found him possessed of unexpected traits, little examples of baseness and cruelty apparent even to the heart and symes, that's the servant, which disturbed me in the most unusual manner. Often he would display extraordinary cruelty to life specimens in his library, for he was constantly carrying on various hidden projects in glandular and muscular transplantation on guinea pig ears and rabbits. He'd also been employing a newly discovered sleeping potion on curious experiments with suspended animation. But of these things he told me little, though often old Symes would often let slip chance comments which shed some light on the proceedings. I was not certain how much the old servant knew, but he surely learned considerable being a constant companion to both Andrews and myself. So eventually he realizes that he has also been the subject of an experiment, but he doesn't know the nature of the experiment yet. Um, and he starts to feel greater horror around him, around him, around the servant, around Andrews when he did show up. He starts to have various dreams, so a lot of weird stuff is happening to him. But it all comes, he pretty much figures out that he's been the subject of some experiment beyond what was agreed to in the, in the original deal he had with Andrews. 
Now, one day he's finally well enough to get up out of bed and he gets up and he, he eventually kills Andrews. He finds Andrews unconscious and asleep and he kills him uh, sort of for revenge for what he did to him. Um, and then he escapes the castle, escapes the mansion, and he eventually makes his way to his old, old home, to his old uh, home, which has now been abandoned. And he finds his old tombstone. And he digs up his tombstone and realizes as he's digging, he's, he smells the body because he wasn't embalmed, right? He couldn't have been embalmed because that would have ruined the experiment. Wouldn't have, he would have been dead then. But he smells a dead body in there. And he's like, well, that's not right. There shouldn't be a dead body in there. Um, but maybe for some other reason, another body got put in there. Um, opens the casket. And then he realizes what happens to him. He realizes that Andrew's plan all along was to basically use this long coma he was in through this drug to cut off his head and attach it to another body. A body, it's not really clear where it came from. He thinks maybe it came back from Haiti. We get a short description of it. Quote, uh, I'm afraid that it was brought from Haiti along with his fiendish medicine. At least these long, hairy arms and horrible short legs are alien to me, alien to all natural and sane laws of mankind. So what's this other body? Is it like a, I guess it's like an ape or something, but I don't know if there's apes in Haiti. It would have been better to take the trip to Africa and bring back a, an ape's body, right? But it's, it's kind of like a, a perverse uh, take on like Arthur German's story. There, it's the realization is that your 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 uh, your grandma, great grandma, is a, is a, is an ape, right? Here, it's a realization that you're half ape through some kind of weird medical experiment. But, anyways, that's it's a little bit ambiguous here. This alien body that it's attached to, maybe it's something else. But uh, it's described long, hairy arms and horrible short legs, alien to all natural and sane laws of mankind. And this realization is going to be tortured for all existence. So what does he see in the tomb that makes him realize that he's been experimented on? It's the, his headless body, right? I guess the thing I don't quite understand is if he had an alien body attached to him, why didn't he figure that out before digging up this body? It seems you could just look down and see it. Unless that's explained away as the leprosy or something. Maybe I missed a, a line where this is explained away. But anyways kind of a kind of pulpy kind of silly i guess for a story um but totally very lovecraftian right with the the realization of the final sentence kind of pulling a lot of the threads together kind of the relatively obvious conclusion um by the time you get to the end the 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 mad scientist or the the, the occult person tied to a more neophyte narrator that we've seen many times the setting is is very similar the kind of the use of science and the occult is something lovecraft has done a lot so I, I i understand why people think that this is maybe you know heavily influenced by lovecraft or if not written by him totally um you know the the drawing things from other parts of the world is we've seen before so yeah I, i'm not sure i i think i'm open-minded about this one being more of a more of a lovecraft story it certainly feels like one and it reads like one and it's a lot of fun it's it, i think this this story of the of the rimmel tales of the three we've looked at this is the best and the most fun it's it's got that it's it's a bit comedic in a way and a bit ridiculous um 
you know, just it's kind of a silly experiment too. Can I put this body on this other person's head? It's kind of like EC Comics Tales from the Crypt level level medical experimentation. But whatever. I think that's a common theme in a lot of these revisions is they're they tend to be a little more on the silly side compared to the standard byline uh, Lovecraft story. So I guess that's going to be it uh, for this one. Just one little story to talk about. Um, in the next couple episodes, we're going to look at six uh, stories by Robert H. Barlow that Lovecraft had some hand in. Now, Lovecraft or Barlow first wrote Lovecraft when he was only like 13. So some of these stories were written when he was very, very young. Um, and there's, there's six of them that are in the Lovecraft Collaborations collection. Um, but five of them are pretty short. For that, that, we have The Slain of the Monster, The Horde of the Wizard Beast. That one's a little bit longer, but still pretty short. The Battle That Ended the Century. Um, Till the Seas, which I think is the longest of these, at 3,000 words. And then a 600-word fragment called Collapsing Cosmos. Um, they're all kind of fantasy tales. Um, you know, I guess they, they fit into the weird fiction title um but we'll look at those we'll do one episode where i'll just kind of talk about each of these five stories briefly um you know they're they're the works of barlow but lovecraft apparently gave suggestions and revisions uh during the writing process but it's much more as a mentor than as like a professional you know giving advice for stories that are going to be in publication um really soon uh, it's it's more helping a younger writer with his ideas the way you might help a student you know, these were published, though. Like, The Horde of the Wizard Beast published in 1933. Um, the Slain of the Monster not published until 1994. Um, but, anyways, they're, they're worth checking out just briefly. Um, we do, though, have one long story by Barlow written in 1936 when he was 18. Um, and Lovecraft loved the story. He gave a lot of... Uh, advice for it um but it's pretty also pretty much a barlow story it's called the night ocean so anyways i'm going to spend two episodes on these barlow revisions um before getting into our our final handful of, of stories so anyways that's uh that's going to be it for now uh the disinternment is a fun little story um the setting the mood the the paralysis i, I guess i didn't mention this before the way he uses the paralysis as a device uh so he's healing from this horrible experiment, but also means he can't like see his body. He can't really see what's going on. And he's kind of stuck there as a, as a victim of these experiments. It's done really well. And the use of this drug from this foreign drug kind of maybe tied to voodoo and the zombies of Haiti in a way. That's at least there's a subtext that might suggest that's the case. Uh, it's all really well done done i think for a story that is kind of silly about a about swapping a guy's head with some kind of alien monkey ape body or something but anyways uh, i i enjoyed that story it's the of the rimmel stories is the one i could really get my teeth into the most i think so anyways next time we'll we'll jump into uh the barlow stories we'll we'll meet uh robert barlow and his relationship with lovecraft i don't think i had i must have had a few letters between barlow and lovecraft in the but I think they're they're more in the fifth volume, which I don't have, so that's that's a bit of a pity. But um, anyways, that's okay. So that's gonna be it for now. I'll see you next time.
breaks my heart to see you day after day turning away as much as to say you've never Sharing all your kisses 